Transition, I've got an iPad that I don't know how to work yet. I've only had it three and a half years, so give me a break, okay? But I am always on this PC, but uh, I'm working at it and uh, uh, pray that this thing stays on for me. I've got it, let's see, it says I've got 86%, which means nothing. So, uh, take your Bibles and uh, open to the book of Psalm. Chapter 122, I believe. David written, wrote many of the Psalms under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 122, verse 1 says this. I was glad. What's that? Glad. I'm happy. I'm thrilled to death. I'm glad when I get to sit down for lunch this afternoon. But he starts off and he says, I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want you to ask that self of yourself this morning. Your question. Ask that question of yourself this morning. Are you glad to be in God's house today? I'm glad to be in God's house because I know that I've come here to meet God. I've come here to do business with God. Allow him to do business with me. I've come here to fellowship and worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm thrilled about that. And then it's interesting. You go up on down to verses 8 and 9. He finishes up the chapter and he goes, For my brethren... So if you went, let us go into the house of the Lord. But he started off, I was glad when he said, and go uh, unto, the, unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Drop down to verse 8. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace within thee. Seems to go together. You know, there's a lot of unrest, turmoil out in the world today. A lot of, there's no peace. People are always, something's going on. They're fretting about a problem. In verse 9 it says, because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek thy good. I will seek thy good. I shared that this morning with a pastor friend of mine. And I just pray that you've come here today and you're glad to be in God's house. Go ahead and take your Bibles open to the book of Matthew, if you will. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Title of the message this morning is, Is Jesus Your Savior? Is Jesus Your Savior? Many people know the name Jesus, Jesus Christ. Many people know, and I said this a lot, know the name George Washington. I never met George Washington, but I have met Jesus Christ. And I know him as my personal Savior. And my question to each and every one this morning is, Jesus, your Savior? Is Jesus your Savior? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and keep your Bibles handy, or if you've got it on your phone, keep that handy. We'll be turning to a few scriptures. It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Jesus, he sent two of his disciples. Now which John is this? Which John is this? John the Baptist. And he says, and he said unto him, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Do we look for another? Over 2,000 years ago, something supernatural, something totally out of the ordinary, something humanly unexplainable happened. God came into this world in the form of a baby. A king that became a baby. It's just unbelievable. It's a stunning thought if you think about it. Uh, 
We sing, Bail the fl in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, and we never stop to think about what those words mean. It's easier to sing about Christmas than to ask what it's all about. And many people will be singing the songs, the Christmas carols this year. You'll see it on the news, and, and everybody will be singing these songs, but they don't know what it means. Something happened, folks, that had never happened before. And guess what? It will never happen again. You see, a long time ago in a tiny village where there was no room in the inn, there was a baby that was born to a frightened young couple. A frightened young couple. I think back to when we had our first child. It was an exciting time, but it very quickly became very frightening to myself and my wife that because of the problem she had, and just think, there, them alone with just God and that God and the baby. Just another Jewish baby. Just another exhausted mother. Just another concerned father. Or so it might seem. Or so it might seem. See, Jesus wasn't the only baby in Bethlehem. There are other babies. There are other babies. I'm told that every day in the world there's probably 375,000 to 400,000 births every day around the world. That's a lot of children being born. Now that number would not have been as high as it was maybe 2,000 years ago certainly because there was that many people in the world as there is today. But that's the day God became a man in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We not only believe that, I stake my life on it. I stake my life and my eternity on it. But I've got to ask the question, what if it were not true? What's there's, what if there was nothing behind all the singing and the celebrating? What if Jesus was just another baby? Or what if he never came at all? What if he never came at all? Is Jesus your Savior? You see, someone said, if Jesus is not your Savior, then guess what? Christmas. It's not your holiday. Christmas is not your holiday. When you read the story of Christ's birth, you can't miss the fact that many people weren't ready for his coming. Caught him off guard. Caught him off guard. That's the story of, uh, let's see, didn't know he was coming. The central question becomes that, is it true? Did he really come? Is Jesus really the, the one? It's an honest question, folks. It's an honest question. Think about it. We go back to Matthew, our text tonight, this morning. Let's read that again. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Are you the one? Are you the one? That question, if we could listen to the world over the corridors of time, echoes down through the corridors of time. Resonates with men and women today in the 21st century. Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the son of God? Or should we look for somebody else? Sevenfold answer for us this morning. Sevenfold answer. We'll go quickly. Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? 
There's many lines of evidence to answer that question. But let's focus just on the Jews and the, uh, the first century who would have understood the Bible scholars tell us in the Old Testament that there are over 300 references to the coming of Messiah. I submit to you this morning that there's more proof that Jesus Christ was born and lived than George Washington. You get that? We've heard the story. We've heard it recounted. We've heard people talk about it. What do they do? They're repeating history. There's no one alive today that knew George Washington personally. And yet, here we can stand today and know that I know Jesus Christ personally as my Savior. We start in the book of Genesis and go to Malachi. You can find out about the promises of the Messiah in virtually every book of the Old Testament. First one I want to focus on it says, born of a woman. Start back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Go ahead and turn there, if you will. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We want to focus on these seven prophecies that help us to answer the question, are you the one? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 takes us back to the beginning of humanity. Uh, in the moments after Adam and Eve first sinned against God, remember, Eve was deceived. Adam willfully sinned. But now they knew what was right and wrong. Feeling of guilt and shame. <clears throat> and this is what the Lord said to the serpent who deceived them. He says, and I will put enmity, or there's a hostility that's going to happen, between thee and the woman... And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There are three, there are three sentences of judgment in this verse. First, there's an ongoing hostility between the serpent and the woman. Eve now knows the serpent cannot be trusted. Satan cannot be trusted. He'll tempt you with sin. He'll say there's fun there. Oh, for a little season. But you can't trust him. Secondly, there are two lines of humanity constantly at odds against one another. Those who follow the serpent's ways and those who follow the ways of the Lord. And then thirdly, there will come someone. That's the he. That's the he who will ultimately destroy the serpent's power. The serpent will strike his heel. In the crucifixion. But at the same time, in the event, the Messiah will crush the serpent's head. A death blow. A death blow. We sang this this morning. One of our famous Christmas carols, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It says this, Come desire of nations, come, fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Where do you find this promise fulfilled? Go back to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'll read parts of these verses. And it will be in Galatians 4. Matthew 1 verse 18 says, When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Galatians 4 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law born of a woman 
Secondly, a descendant of Abraham, the Bible tells us. This one's easy to find. You just go to the first verse of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Matthew 1, 1. We're looking at the proofs that Jesus Christ was born, that he says that he is who he says he is. We know from Genesis 12 that God intended to bless the whole world, the whole world through Abraham's descendants. But here we find him as an old man. He's 99 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 89 years old. They had no children. No children. And yet God promised through their seed that mankind would be blessed. How is he going to do this? Hey, we call it a miracle. To, to God, it's just another day. He did something marvelous, something wonderful. And at the age of 100, he became a father at the age of 90, ladies. At the age of 90, she became a mother. That's something supernatural. Something supernatural gave them strength. It goes on and reads, verse 2, it says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat, uh, I lost it, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And then 2,000 years later, as part of that promise, as fulfillment of that promise, Jesus was born as part of the line of Abraham, descendant of Abraham. Thirdly, we see he's from the tribe of Judah. Verse Chapter 49 of Genesis, verse 10. Chapter 49 of Genesis, verse 10. The Bible tells us, from the tribe of Judah, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Jacob predicts Messiah. Who has the scepter of power and the ruler's staff will come from Judah. And then one day all the nations will pay tribute to him. You may not pay tribute to Jesus Christ today. But there will come a day that every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Like Kind of like going out here. I don't believe that red light was intended for me until I see that guy with all those lights on his car behind me pulling me over and telling me, that was intended for you. Jesus Christ died for the sin of all mankind, paid the penalty of all, the sin of all mankind. He's not willing that any should perish. Is Jesus your Savior? Is Jesus your Savior? Luke one thirty three says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Revelation 5.5 5 calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah. Another proof. A descendant of David. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. I'll just tell you about it. Nathan comes to David and tells him, Thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Jeremiah 23, 5 clarifies the promise by stating that a ruler who will come, a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. He will rule with wisdom, folks. He will rule with understanding. Who could that be? Who could that be? Go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Jesus Christ, the son of David. When Gabriel came to Mary, he told her the son she would bear would be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him 
the throne of his father, David. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. It was announced by John the Baptist. When Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ, he predicted a forerunner who would announce the coming of the Messiah. Oh, what an exciting time that had to have been. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 tells us, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Who's that? John the Baptist. Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. John the Baptist. Now go to Mark 1, and it says, When Mark quotes the Old Testament, he combines Isaiah 40 and Malachi verse 3. And then he immediately introduced John the Baptist in the first chapter of Mark. So you have Isaiah 40, Malachi 3, Matthew 3, Matthew 11, Mark 1, Luke 1. And these passages were fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. Another one, born of a virgin. Born of a virgin. When King Ahaz doubted God's promise, the Lord said, I'm going to send you a sign. It's going to surprise you. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. No matter how Ahaz understood this, there's no way he could have foreseen that 700 years later, God would bring it to pass through the birth of a virgin birth. We don't have to wonder about this because when the angel spoke to Joseph in a dream, he said this. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet saying. And then born in Bethlehem, a seventh proof, born in Bethlehem. Now this, this narrows down even further. It narrows down even further from just a baby being born. Not only will the Messiah be born of a virgin, God specified where he would be born. Only God knew that. But thou, Bethlehem, Apathpertha, thou, though be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been told from old, from everlasting. Malachi chapter 5 verse 2. Bethlehem was insignificant. I think this morning sometimes we as Christians, individual Christians, in the vast humanity of Christendom, we think we are insignificant. Let me tell you something this morning. You are not insignificant. God has got a plan for your life, each and every one of us. Something in particular he wants us to do. I ask this question again. What has God put in your heart to do? What has God put in your heart to do? Let's find a way to make sure that you're doing this. Micah gave this prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ. We know they knew it because when wise men showed up in Jerusalem looking for the newborn king of the Jews, King Herod asked the scribes about it. And they quoted, the, uh, they quoted in Matthew chapter, uh, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. We can read it about it in Matthew chapter 2, first six verses. They didn't have Matthew at the time, but we do today. We do today. But this prophecy of Micah is not made up just of a sermon illustration. It predicted where Christ would be born. 
700 years in advance. So recap this morning. We're just talking about seven prophecies this morning. Born of a woman, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. See how it keeps narrowing down. Announced by John the Baptist, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. Seven different prophecies by five different people over 1,200 years. Only God could do that. Only God could do that. Unto us a child is born. That's you and me. Think about that. Get a hold of that thought this morning. Unto me a child was born, Ricky. Unto me a child was born, Peter. Who's that? Jesus, the Son of God. For me. Unto us a son is given. We cannot appreciate what we've got in front of us, the words of God, and, and how powerful that is if you just contemplate it. Who is he? He came exactly as God had promised. Acts chapter 10, we're almost there in our study of Acts, verse 43. It says, to him give all the prophets witness. He's been announcing this. He's been telling you about it. Well, you never, no, I told you. Uh, you never, sometimes Alice will say, I told you this. I go, no, you didn't tell me that. And then she'll just keep saying, and I'll go, oh, okay, yeah, I remember. You did tell me that. You did tell me that. God told us this. He's not trying to sneak up on his folks. He's not willing that any should perish. The Bible says he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He's the savior of the world. We go to the Emmaus Road where Jesus spoke to the two, two disciples on the day of his resurrection. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I've been telling you about this. That's Luke chapter 24. We just talked about seven of the over 300 prophecies. Consider how these prophecies fit together. Born of a woman. Well, a lot of people fit into that category. That should be just about everybody, I would think, right? Descendants of Abraham. Well, that kind of narrows it down. All right. You do your, your old ancestry.com and you start finding out. And you say, well, I'm a descendant of this individual. Okay, but that narrows it down. From the tribe of Judah. Now it starts to get a little bit more narrow. More narrow. It says, descendant from David. It's, it's kind of like that going into a, a funnel. Everything's funneling down. Announced by John the Baptist. Well, I wasn't announced by John the Baptist. That gets very specific, very narrow. Born of a virgin. Folks, that's a category of one. Nobody else fits into that category. A category of one. Born in Bethlehem. Extremely specific. Extremely specific. specific. I'm not going to go back all through it again, but I gave the illustration about trying to Determine one silver dollar over the state of Texas, covered in silver dollars, two feet high. Now, how many have driven through, I'm sure Lynn has, driven through the state of Texas? Uh, okay, I've driven through the state of Texas. Now, let me tell you something, folks. You start driving through the state of Texas, and you just, if you're going west to east or east to west, you keep driving. It's a long ways. A long ways. That's a lot of land. And now think of a silver dollar. You know, silver dollar about that big. 
And let's say, let's just say we had silver dollars enough to cover the platform here. Boy, I tell you what, we'd have, we'd have enough money to buy a new facility just about. But praise the Lord. But now make that over the land of Texas and two feet thick. Wow, that's a lot of silver dollars. A lot of silver dollars. And the goal would be the ability to find one silver dollar that had been specifically marked by going in and grabbing it. That's the odds of something like this happening. And yet it happened. Why? Because it was ordained of God. Christ fulfilled it. Christ fulfilled it. When you come to the Christmas story, either it happened by chance, or he is the one, the Son of God, who came from heaven. It brings us back to a question John asked Jesus in Matthew 11. It's interesting when you read this that Jesus didn't answer him by appealing to the prophecy. He didn't say, let's take all those silver dollars and scatter them across Judea and see if you can find the right one while blindfolded. He could have made that kind of argument, but he didn't. Instead, he appealed to the proof of lives changed by his power. Has your life been changed since you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because I'm here to tell you, that's what happens. Doesn't mean you're perfect. By no means. But there's a change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been born again. He told, his, he told John's disciples to go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. What did Jesus say? The blind now see. The lame now walk. The deaf now hear. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Dead are raised up. And the gospel is preached unto them. Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Has your life been changed? Since you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. He fulfills those prophecies. But he's able to do those miracles. He's able to do that miracle in your life. I have concern, folks, when I see a child of God that does not seem to want to know and do the things of God. That there's not been an outward change in their life. The prophecies established his identity. Get this. The miracles demonstrate his power. The prophecies establish who he is. Identifies him as the one. But the miracles demonstrate his power. When you receive Jesus Christ, your personal savior, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. Because he is the promised savior, he has the power to change your life. If he's not the fulfillment of those predictions, then he has no power at all. But because he's perfectly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, folks, he has the power and the ability to change your life today. Hey, you've been running your life up to now. You're, what, 15, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100? I don't know. How's it going for you? How about allowing God? Allowing God and his power to change your life today.
That brings us back to something I said earlier on. If Jesus is not your Savior, Christmas is not your holiday. It's not your holiday. It's just a fun holiday. Just a fun holiday. Christmas rightly belongs to those who worship Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It really does. It really does. It belongs to those whose lives have been changed by the power of Christ. Has your life been changed by Christ this morning? You may not always do the things that you should, but there should be a desire. There should be that voice within you, the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, hey. Everyone else that does not know Christ, when it comes to this holiday, they're on the outside looking in. Is he the one? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Is he your savior? I cannot answer that question for you. This is an individual decision. Later this morning, we're going to have those who are going to come forward, present themselves for believer's baptism. These are folks that have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And what they're doing is they're following the Lord in the believer's baptism and they're saying, I've received Christ as my Savior. I've been buried with him into death and I've risen to walk a new life in him, created anew. Is he your Savior? You may listen to the message this morning and just kind of walk away laughing. That's your choice. That's your choice. But guess what? He's still the one. He is still the one. You may say, I don't need him. He's still the one. You may want to argue some more. But when you get done arguing, guess what? He's still the one. He's still the one. In the end, Christmas must become very personal. It's more than just going out and buying that Christmas tree and have that smell of evergreen in your house. It's more than just decorating it and putting on the, the bulbs and, and all the tinsel and everything and making it look beautiful. It's more than putting the presents under the tree. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus this morning? He's a perfect gentleman. He will not force his way into your life. But he died on the cross for you. He paid the penalty of the man, all of mankind. What will you do with him this morning? All I can tell you is what I know. The choice is yours. It's left up to you. He's the one. Is he your savior? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is Jesus your savior? If you were to die today, do you know 100% sure that heaven would be your home? The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John, the old apostle was writing there in chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that you may know, that you may know, as you're saved, that you have eternal life. Eternal life and eternity with Jesus Christ. You may say, well, Brother Don, I've done that. I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Well, I've got another question for you. Have you followed him in believer's baptism? 
This first step of obedience. First step of obedience. We received the Great Commission. We're told to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them and discipling them. Are you doing that? Child of God, you might say, I've been saved and baptized for a lot of years. What are you doing fresh for Jesus today? What are you excited about? Somehow, sometimes we fall into a rut and the Christian life becomes, oh well, same old thing, different again. There are lives in here this morning that have been touched by God in a miraculous way recently. God has done some wonderful things. God's there for you all the time. What will you do with Jesus? Father, I pray at this time that you'd have your way with the lives of each and every one represented here this morning. God, I ask that our hearts would be open. Lord, may you do a miraculous work in us all today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this body of believers that you have fitly joined together. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand together.